Well, good morning, folks. It's Matt here, and I have uh, pre-recorded this, actually, earlier on in the week. And I'm tuning in as we speak uh, from Leeds. I'm up with family, with my brother and lovely sister-in-law, my uh, nephews and my lovely niece as well. And actually, it's about family that I want to talk to you this morning, because as we're going through this uh, book of Acts, we're thinking about the church that Jesus built. And this morning, I want to talk to you about understanding church as family. And I'll be looking at the passage we heard read, Acts 2, 42 to 47. Actually, if I'm honest, as I start this, I'm still kind of quite achy. I'm aching all over a little bit. And the reason is, you see, a kind friend of ours gave us a tent this last week. And uh, what do you do when you get a lovely tent? Well, you have to try it. So we set it up in the garden. Of course, the kids are hugely excited about this. And they were insistent, come on, mum and dad, let's not only just set it up, but can we sleep the night in the garden? Now, I've had kids, uh, Archie's uh, 11 now, we've had kids all these years and managed to never sleep in the garden yet. But for some reason, this time I said, yes, okay. So it was kind of bodged camping, if you like. We scraped together what we could find and I was sleeping on some sofa uh, cushions in a very small single um single sleeping bag. I basically could barely move. I had to contort my body that I was leaning down at an angle. My head wasn't supported. And between you and I, I had one of the worst night's sleeps that I can ever remember. I saw all of it. I saw midnight, 2am, 3am, 4am, hearing everything for some reason I couldn't really sleep. And then at 5am, I'm not joking you, they call it the dawn chorus, more like the dawn shout-a-thon. It was unbelievable noise as the birds decided that they really wanted to give it their gusto. And I just thought, you know, just drifting back off to sleepish after that. And a couple of, I don't know, magpies or crows basically were screaming at one another, sounded like sandpaper scraping in their throats. Oh, man. Shortly after that, Archie went to the loo inside and let the dog back in to greet us good morning. And so I'm stuck half contorted, half awake, half asleep, whilst the dog is trying to lick my face and clawing my ear. Um, But if I'm honest with you, whilst we were in that tent together, we were family and I wouldn't have had it any other way. You see, the moment that... I said, good morning, folks, Uh, about, I think it was like 7 a.m. or something. And all these four excited little voices replied, morning, daddy. You know, it was just really special. And the moment where my littlest Harry rolled over to me and went, daddy, we're in a tent. And I got out my phone and took a selfie, which you can see on screen now here somewhere. Um, You can just see puffy eyes. I'm absolutely exhausted. But in that moment. I realised that being part of a family is the biggest privilege ever. You know, this morning, I want us all to realise again this really simple fact that being part of God's family is a huge privilege. You see, Jesus never came to build a charity or a club or a business or an organisation, not a foundation, not an institution, but a family. You know, at one point, Jesus' earthly family were looking for him and he just stopped and pointed to his disciples and he said, who are my family? You guys are. You're my brothers and my sisters. Those who love me, who follow what I say, you're my family. And if you think about it, it's amazing what he said. 
the God of all the universe himself points to you and me and calls us family. Not servants or workers or junior directors or vice presidents in an organisation. We're not staff, no. We're brothers and sisters to Jesus. And Jesus says to us, you lot are now part of one big family. My family, the church. Now that might at first actually concern us. Because families, I don't know what comes to your mind, but one of the first things that can come to our mind is arguments. Yeah, because families don't always agree on everything, do they? Sometimes they argue, they get it wrong, they upset one another. But as lockdown has gone through, I've chatted to people and many have told me that they've been reevaluating priorities in life. And one of the number one things that people have said they've reevaluated is the priority of family to them. And I totally get it. You see, actually at their best, families are there with each other through thick and thin. They share the good times and the bad times. They support one another, care for one another. They forgive each other, encourage each other, cheer each other on, laugh and cry together, don't they? Eat together, celebrate together, love one another. And they're united together precisely because they're family. And that's what Jesus wanted us to be like. Family. We're brothers and sisters. We're children of God. He knew we wouldn't get it always right. He knew we would end up with disagreements sometimes and squabbles and mistakes, but he wanted us to always be there for one another. He wanted us to love one another through thick and thin, to be a family. Now, some of you this morning will have had lovely earthly family experiences. Others will have had painful ones. Still others will feel lonely because you don't have any earthly family anymore. But I want to remind all of us, in fact, I want to remind you again this morning, that every single one of us, you, have a family. You have not just an earthly family, but a family that Jesus has won for you, has given to you. A church family. Far from perfect, sure, but brothers and sisters to love and walk through life with. I think sometimes we can take all of this for granted, can't we? And yet some of the earliest believers simply couldn't get their minds around this. They couldn't get their heads around the fact that because of Jesus, they were now children of God. See what great love the Father's lavished upon us, John writes. 1 John 3 verse 1, love this verse. See what great love he's lavished upon us, that we should be called children of God. That is what we are. Children of God, utterly loved, lavished upon by a heavenly father, called to love each other in the same way that love might be our distinguishing hallmark. By this, Jesus said, your love for one another, people are going to know that you're my disciples. This is what church is. One of the things I've also heard folks say during lockdown is how much it's made them miss and appreciate our church family. Because over the lockdown, just like with our earthly families, we've not been able to see each other for a significant time, have we? Not been able to see each other in person, at least. Yet we've still been family. We've still gathered together online in the name of Jesus. We've not stopped gathering together. We've not stopped loving one another. We still encouraged one another. We still prayed for one another and supported each other in different ways. But as we begin to gather again in person, it's going to be really lovely, isn't it, to see one another face to face again and realise 
the amazing gift that church family really is. And I pray that as we do come back together with a renewed sense of love and belonging, that we'll regain again something that has been there from the very beginning. So when we look at this passage, we see the earliest church, a snapshot, if you like, in Acts 2. Stunning little snapshot, picture painted actually, of the earliest church setting. And right there, we see the church in its infancy. And we see the brothers and sisters not forming a club or an institution, but a family. This morning, I want us just to reflect on this and learn together from it, because as we look at this passage, don't look at the structure of church. You think, oh, we need to restructure to be the same as them. No, that structure just lasted very short amount of time. This is a tiny snapshot of what church looked like right at the beginning. But look at the heartbeat, the relationships, the priorities, the expression of devotion and family, because in six broad brushstrokes, this passage paints an extraordinary picture for us to reflect on of how this love for the Lord and understanding his love for them outworked with a love for one another as a family. So the first brushstroke I want to talk to you about and I'm going to move over this way, nope, this way, that's it, and bring them up here I hope. Uh, The first brushstroke is devotion. We read that they devoted themselves, devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship. This was no disparate group of lone rangers. Sure, it's possible to be a Christian without going to church, but it's never supposed to be that way. Because you're turning something which was supposed to be about family and a community and mutual involvement, encouragement into a personal, private faith. And that's not what Jesus ever intended. He never meant us to walk alone. He meant us to walk together, brothers and sisters, devoted to each other and to him. And the two ways that we read that the early church did this, or devoted themselves to one another, was through prayer and through the breaking of bread. You see, in communal prayer, we cry out to our Heavenly Father for one another and for his world. We are honest and we all recognise our need for our Heavenly Father. It draws us together as family. And when we break bread together, as we're going to shortly in this service, we gather as a family around the table. We break bread and drink wine as equals. We're all broken. We're all sinful. We're all saved by his grace. We're all children of God with a place at the table, a place at the Father's table, with Jesus there. So the first brushstroke is devotion. And I know that for many, our devotion to church and to one another may have been tested in this season. It has been, hasn't it? But actually, it may be tested even more as we come back together and we sort of reestablish ourselves and rework out how we do church going forward. Let me just say to you, don't give up. Be devoted to God and to the fellowship. The second big brushstroke is spirit filled. We read that everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. You see, this church family was never supposed to be a dry and predictable routine of boredom. We all turn up on a Sunday and get bored and then go home and sort of 
celebrating that it's finished. No, no. You see, Scripture tells us that the Spirit of God should be at work in the church. It says that we should keep things orderly? Sure. But I don't ever want to be part of a church family where we don't take risks of waiting on the Lord, of expecting God to show up and minister in the ways that only he can. I don't want to be part of a family where we don't seek his spirit or his presence among us, where we're close to the miraculous or the supernatural or healing or breakthrough. The earliest church family would soon learn that the gifts of the spirit were not just for the apostles, although they were certainly exercising the most at this time. But they would soon learn that Jesus gives gifts and the spirit comes with power for all who believe in Jesus, all who are followers of him. And some of us will be naturally comfortable in this area. Some of us will be still learning and not quite sure yet. Maybe we're just naturally more shy. But don't worry, we're all gifted differently. But we've all got a part to play. And all of us are gifted by the Spirit. And the important thing is that church becomes a safe place. A family in which to learn to grow in the gifts God gives you and me. It was beautiful to gather together on Pentecost evening in a safe context there on Zoom to hear the words and visions and scriptures that folks felt able to share as the spirit moved and prompted. It's one of the great joys of being a family like this, hearing and seeing how the spirit of God is stirring in others and sometimes realising that he's speaking to me or to you through someone else. As we go forward, we're going to continue to be a church open to the move of God by his Holy Spirit. A place that is safe for all to grow in the exercise of the gifts that he brings. Okay, the third brushstroke is generous. So we've had devotion and we've had spirit filled. Now we've got generous. All the believers were together and had everything in common, it says. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. You see, there was a sense in the early church family that, What's mine is also yours, you know. If you need it and I can give it, then I will. They made sure that no one was without. It's beautiful. Because I guess in one way they knew that the generosity, that generosity is one of the truest and most beautiful reflections of God. You see, he's the God who's lavished his love upon us, as we heard earlier. He's the God who did not spare even his own son, but gives us all things, Scripture says. He's the God who freely gave to us So how can we not now freely give? But if we're honest, being generous costs and it's risky. Because you might not get it back in return, right? But real generosity can be a bit ouchy sometimes. Because it's not always just giving someone you didn't care about. Don't mistake that. Oh, I can spare that. That'll do. No, generosity is often about opening your home or sharing your life or resources in a way that you notice it costs But you don't mind, you do it anyway. Everything inside of us sometimes says it's not sensible to be generous. But actually we see in the earliest church, it is godly. It is godly. Because being part of God's family is learning to be generous just as he is generous. A mean-spirited church must be one of the saddest sights of all. And it does not reflect Jesus. So let us question again our generosity. Let us be a church family full of people growing in generosity. What a beautiful thing that would be. And the next brushstroke is glad and sincere. 
Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, it says. And this is a beautiful picture. This early church family eating together in their homes. You see, this is still at the very early stage, a tiny snapshot in time. And at this stage, they were still meeting together in the temple. It's kind of what they knew. But something wonderful was happening. Because the earliest Christians were discovering that this faith that they now had in Jesus was no longer dependent on the temple and its structures, but actually able to be shared and celebrated in the homes of ordinary believers. Gathering in the name of Jesus around the meal table, breaking bread as family together was now far more meaningful than anything the temple could offer. And so we read that they did this with glad and sincere hearts. The meeting wasn't a chore, but a choice. Church family, it wasn't a grind, but a gift, a delight. And I believe this is a moment in history where we can all rediscover the gift of church family. Throw away our tendencies to criticise and bemoan church as a chore to be endured and see it afresh as the gift it really is. I'm not saying it's always perfect or always amazing what's going on or that I won't go on a bit too long sometimes. Forgive me when I do. We try our best. But let us see church as the gift it is and particularly one another as the gift of family that we are. And if I'm honest, as I read this, eating together and celebrating together should definitely be on our list of priorities when we're able to do it. It is biblical. Hurrah. I'm sad, however, to see that barn dances are not mentioned in this particular passage. I will continue to scour the pages of scripture to see if they're mentioned anywhere. OK, the fifth brushstroke and the sixth one. These are quick as I finish up now. The fifth one is praise and favour. We read they were praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And I simply want to point out to you that the relationship between these two things is really important. They praised God and the favour of God still rested upon them with the people. You see, they were not ashamed of God. They were not ashamed and we must never be ashamed or hide away from honest, passionate, loving praise of Father as a way of being relevant or accessible. We don't want to say, oh, I must be relevant, therefore I'll tone down my love for Jesus. No. Instead, whatever we do, we want to do it with integrity. We are the family of God and we want to reach out with the compassion of God, but also in the name of God. We want to be clear about our love for Jesus in everything we do. Sometimes as Christians, we can be embarrassed by the name of Jesus. Sometimes we get this strange uh, thing in our head that we have to push and shove the name of Jesus in a very particular and persuasive way and get people to think exactly like we do. And then we undo all the good work that we perhaps have also been doing and put people off. No, we want to get that balance. And that balance is absolutely biblical and it's totally possible we need to be a people who are unashamed unashamed about our praise and love of Jesus and unashamed about the compassion and love that we generously offer and show to our communities and those around and is the combination of those two hearts and testimonies and acts of compassion praise and favor that go together the final brushstroke is this it was a growing family. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. You know, folks, 
Here was a family where folks were welcomed in, loved, cared for, fed, yes, food again, taught and included. Lives were transformed as they encountered the presence and compassion of Jesus, as they heard the good news and encountered the good news of the gospel amongst the church family. They experienced it and therefore the church grew. As we continue to go forward, we want to bear fruit. This is what Jesus said we will do. We long to see more folks come to know Jesus. If you're tuning in today, my heart's desire would be that you came to know Jesus if you don't already. That you would know that you can be part of his family. You can be a child of God because of what Jesus has done for you. That your heart might be set free. Your sins, your mistakes, your mess forgiven because of Jesus. That you understand he went to that cross to die in your place. And now when you put your heart or you give your heart to him and you put your trust in him, you become a forgiven, set free child of God and you become part of the family. That is our greatest joy. And it's no longer just left to the evangelists to get on with that stuff. No, it's a family calling. You see, the way we do church matters. The way we love um, one another, the way we invite and allow the presence of Jesus by His spirit to move amongst us. The way we outwork compassion and creativity and welcome and care and encouragement, the words, the teaching, the discipleship, the being family together. It's all part of how lives will be transformed by Jesus. And it's all part of how we'll see the church grow. And so that's it, folks. That's this painting, this snapshot in time, these broad brushstrokes telling the picture of what was a peaceful time at the beginning of the earliest church. And sadly, that time wouldn't last long. You know, soon there would be opposition from without and there would become discord within. Soon they would be persecuted and scatter. And yet they would continue to love one another and be devoted to each other and to God, come what may. That's because that's what families do. And for us... We may not have gathered in person over this last year and a half, but we have gathered as family and it's not stopped us being family. In fact, we have so much to be thankful for, for one another over these last months. And through it all, how God has taught us just how important church family is to us, how important you are to me, how we are important to one another. And we will continue to go forward together. It's not guaranteed to be plain sailing from here on in. We still don't quite know the trajectory. But we'll do it together with God's help. Now I know, if we're honest, some of our experiences of church in the past, for all of us, being part of a church family, sometimes feels like waking up in that tent, aching and sore and wondering how on earth you got persuaded into it. The moment we realise the gift that church family really is, as we walk alongside one another, cheer each other on, pray for one another and encourage each other. The moment when we're struggling and someone draws alongside us or prays for us or puts a hand on our shoulder or sends us a text or an email. And when we're hurting and someone comforts us. The moment we celebrate together the joy of a dedication or a baptism or share in the sadness but thankfulness at a funeral together. 
The moment we hear someone give a testimony or a picture or a tongue that speaks to our heart or see the elderly talking with and encouraging our youngsters as they run around or meeting new faces, learning new names, hearing new stories and testimonies and getting stuck in to serve together in the mission of God in our communities, laughing together, doing life together, praying and celebrating together. It's then that we realise that being part of church family is the biggest privilege ever. Church family is a gift from Jesus. So let's be glad. Let's devote ourselves to one another and to God. After all, we are family. Amen. Lord, I pray simply this morning, open our eyes afresh and stir our hearts anew to the wonder of the gift of one another. Stir up in us love and affection and devotion to the fellowship, to our brothers and sisters. And we pray again this morning to you. In Jesus' name. Amen.